All right, so we are going to talk about the hope of a hopeless situation. Um, in in my experience, many of us come into the rooms of recovery very fearful. Uh, there's a lot of consequences. There's a lot of things that have happened in uh, our lives where we've lost jobs, relationships. We've let our kids down. We've let um, uh, people down. We've let uh, the world around us down and we've come in a very fearful, fearful, fear driven. There's no other options and I'm scared and I'm hurting and I'm all alone and I need help. And so I come in fearful, but the plan of recovery is to be hopeless. So I believe that most of us come in fearful and then we actually need to see the hopelessness because it's actually not about the outside that's causing our fear. It's about the inside that makes us hopeless. So when I get to see a three-part problem within me and, and I see this spiritual condition, I see this spiritual sickness, this spiritual discontent, d disconnect, and on my own, I'm trying to solve all of my problems to get comfort, to get joy, to get peace, to get, you know, uh, purpose and meaning in my life. And I'm all alone doing that, disconnected from God, and I'm connecting to other spirits. And when I connect with a spirit that gives me a mental obsession and a physical craving for more of it, I, I end up totally powerless. So I can be fearful from the outside things that are going on, but then I can become hopeless on knowing that I have this disease inside of me that there is nothing that I can do. That this is not my ability to do anything and I find out that I uh, lack power and lack control and that I'm not in control and the last drink that I took was not my choice. I'm being driven by something else in the illusion that I'm making choices but I'm not. And and I think that kind of could sum up all humanity. It's, it's so many of us think that we have this free will and free choices, but we're being driven by a fear within us, a fear within our spirit, a fear that our, our spirit is disconnected from God from the beginning. And so a lot of times, um, you know, younger people that take schooling or take uh, a, a career path, it, it, it's, it's coming from maybe this illusion that I'm, I'm making a choice, but maybe it's coming from a fear. Uh, maybe it's coming from my 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 parents and what my dad did and me trying to prove myself that I can do things better than he did. Or uh, maybe it's coming from the approval of my parents that I am taking university because they're pressuring me and they're pressuring me. But I love doing this. But, you know, to 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 appease my parents and they're paying for my university and I have this tension. So am I really making these choices? And maybe the parents are saying the same thing of like, I can't have a kid like this. I can't have a kid that's an artist or a musician. Like you have to take school. And so they're being run by their fear because they want this for their children. And so we, we have this world run by fear and we all think we're making choices, but we're actually being driven by something else. And, and I think that's fortunate for people like me is that I get to go to rock bottom because all of my fears led to needing something to give me ease and comfort. And when I found uh, alcohol and drugs, it just wrecked the inside of me. So the beautiful thing about recovery, it's an inside job. It's, it's all about the inside um, and it has nothing to do with the outside. So the outside actually doesn't have to change. The inside gets to be transformed. And so that's what uh, we've been studying a little bit of what does a disconnected spirit look like? Because we are made in three parts. We have a spirit, 
a soul and a body. Um, and, and just for language sake, and I think people can uh, intermix some of the, the definitions. So by body, I just mean physical being, uh, your blood, your bones, your 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 all of the things that make your physical body work. Uh, your physical body will actually tell you it's almost like a, a metric reading of like a car. Um, there, there's noises coming from your body. There's cracks coming from your body. There's, there's warning signs coming from your body. Uh, you know, like sleeplessness, loss of hair. There, there's a, there's a, I don't know, a disorder, uh, alopecia. And, and so a, a person will lose their hair. And so I actually have a friend that I ran into and he was talking about, um, just the stress and anxiety of his job and and how he can't deal with it and the sleeplessness and he's like he's like ruby check out this and he shows me his head and he's got clumps of like bald hair and he's like this is this is from anxiety like my body is 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 rejecting what's happening inside of me and so your body can be an amazing an elaborate uh metric and and warning signal for what's going on inside of you and so your body is kind of the, the 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 last thing that that will be the warning signal. And then you got your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. That is your your intellect, where you get your 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 principles and your belief systems. It's kind of two plus two equals real men don't cry. Uh, three plus three, um, you know, I have to prove myself and become a, a certain type of um, tradesman or whatever. Um, four plus four equals a man is, uh, worth, um, this amount of money. Um, and, and so that's kind of our intellect, which leads into our thinking, um, which leads into our actions. So if I believe a man, sh a, ma a real man has to earn a certain uh, amount of money to make a living, uh, to be considered a real man from the world around me, then I'm going to position myself in getting into a certain trade or, I'm going to see what would be the um, most practical and easy. And I have that experience because I have I have some pretty uh, strong disabilities when it comes to scholastic exercises. And so for me to go back to school at a certain age is like, I hated school. Like straight up high school was like a petri dish of a nightmare for me. And, and it's like this fake false community. Everything matters way too much. You got the, the girl thing. You got the guy thing. You got sports thing. It, like everybody's trying to prove themselves. You got the stoners over here. We were talking about high school the other day. And my son's like, I wish I could live in high school. I'm like, I'm so glad you had that great experience with high school. But like me and your mom both thought it was a nightmare. And, you know, I thought it was a nightmare. And I think I did six years of it. And it was due to football, right? And, and so for me to go back to school and I have this belief system a real man needs to, to make this amount of money and live this way to be considered a real man, um, I, 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 I really subconsciously had to deliberate on how to do this. And so getting in the trades for me was uh, the, the big ticket. And so uh, I didn't want to, you know, probably hump brick all day. Um, I didn't really want to do physical activity and especially in Canada, you know, it's, it's seasonal. And so sitting on the bench, you know, you're not making as much money as you could be doing something that's all year round. And so I got into truck driving 
and heavy equipment because that doesn't stop all year round. And it has this very manly, like manly, like I'm a truck driver. I'm a, I'm a heavy equipment operator. And it, it's got this concept that really fit my belief system on how you needed to see me. And so that, like, am I making these choices? You know, I, I'm making a phone call like, and I thought, that you would really respect me. And I thought it would be cool to be a crane operator. Like a crane operator. Like, I don't know. I've never heard of any kid going like, when I grow up, I want to be the crane operator. You know, the guy that goes up, what is it? Like 300 billion miles in the sky. And even on a windy day. And like, where's he peeing? Like, I did not think that through whatsoever. And I thought it was cool. So I call the, the company and they say, well, you have to take a training course down in uh, a different city. And, and so I was like, well, there's a lot of roadblocks, but I kept my name on the, on the list for the union. Uh, but then I got into trucking school and, and did some heavy equipment stuff there and I learned how to drive a truck. And I thought like to get into the trucking world, it's very hard um, because you need two years of experience minimum to get a good job. And so it's one of those, like, how do you get a good job when you, like, no one's giving you a job? Uh, how do you get your two years of experience? So I found that if I uh, did tow truck driving, <laughs> which is very cool when it's not cars. Um, so I got the biggest tow truck company um, doing, you know, like my, my rig was a 50 foot dual axle tow truck. And I flipped anything over from uh, uh, one of my first rollovers was a Budweiser tractor trailer full of empty bottles. And it was the coolest sound I've ever heard. And the smell, uh, we, we flip up the, the trailer and you got, I don't, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of broken bottles and and just the smell we lift it up and it goes smash and all you hear is like this tinkling of rain of of glass inside this trailer it, it was phenomenal and i'm like this is what our real man does you know this is this is how you learn to 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 do a trade like this to be seen a certain way i think tow truck driving is in the top 10 most dangerous jobs in the world you know i i've had buses on the side of the four uh, uh, the 417 by parkdale i remember the bus driver being so scared i swear he had poo in his pants i can't prove that but i'm pretty sure there was poo I get out, I like, I have this 50 foot tow truck and I got the lights on, I got cones out and it's like traffic's going by, like there's no lane there. And so, uh, to me, that's what a real man would do because it's like, I get paid well, I don't need much of an education. I can, I can kind of skip ahead of the line and you're the sucker that went to university for what? Poli sci? History? What are you going to do with that? That's not what a real man does. And, and so... Am I being driven by something else or am I making these choices of what I really want to do? I'm actually making these choices because of what I think you need me to be or do, to be accepted by you. Um, and, and so that's what we've been looking at is this disconnect from God, um, where our true identity comes from in our spirit. Our spirit is what should be leading the show. And so our spirit is a connectivity. Uh, our spirit is worship. Our spirit is communication. And, and the, the, the point of our being, our creation, is to be connected to God. Kind of like a tree. When you plant a tree, you have to plant it a certain way so that it was designed a certain way to be in soil, water, 
um, all the nutrients and, and that kind of thing, and then transplanted into uh, a, a different environment. And so God has made us a certain way to connect with him. And so apart from God, we can do no good thing. We are, he is the, the vine and we're the branches. And we start off disconnected, but we have the ability to be grafted. To, to, uh, I'm not a horticulturist. There are probably some of you that are pro horticulturists. You, you've grown probably a certain herb or two and, and you know about grafting. You know about blending, um, different kinds of, of, uh, plants or weeds, uh, together. Um, I've known some people that have made some extraordinary plants, uh, with high strain capabilities. Um, that can uh, really mess a person up for a day. And it's like you're a scientist to be able to grow something out of three different kinds of plants and you're grafting it onto an original. And so no condemnation, no judgment. But the whole point is that God has designed us to be able to be grafted onto uh, his branches. And out of that, we can do, we can be good. We can become good in his name because the root system is feeding us. And so how do you know that you're grafted into the vine of God, the father of God, because he has a specific spirit. My spirit is irritable, restless, discontent. My spirit is fearful. My, my spirit is, is insecurity. My spirit are, are all of these things and these hurts and these pains and, 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 and what we've looked at, um, through the course of the spiritual wounding, uh, sections that we've looked at though. That's my spirit. Uh, I relate to the orphan spirit. Like when I read the orphan spirit, it's like, this is me. This is, this is my wounding. And so when I, when I connect to the spirit of God, what's going to be the transition? Peace, love. I have never, ever been able to wait for anything. Like I, I got a car when I was, I think 15 back in my day, you could get a car then but you couldn't get your license. You had a 365 or whatever it was. And so like I would, I could never be still. Um, my, I was a nightmare going shopping with my parents because I don't mean to, but I touch everything. Like I can't help it. Like I just touch everything. Like I just, I'm not peaceful. I'm not at rest. I'm not still. And so I've always been like that. I, I've always thought there was something better. I've always thought there was something better going on and I'm just not still. And so the spirit of God, like I, I always had a car, like I've lost my license a few times, uh, but I've had to take a bus and I hate waiting for a bus. Like I'll start walking. Um, like, because the bus isn't here, I'm not going to wait around. I'm just going to walk to the next bus stop until the bus comes. Like I just can't be still. And so the spirit of God has come into my heart and provided peace and stillness and 90 90% of a time in the car, I don't listen to anything because I don't need to. I enjoy the peace and listening to the car and being present um, and being connected to the spirit of God. And, and, and I love listening to worship music and I love listening to speaker meetings and I don't need this constant entertainment in my head all the time. And so that is so foreign to me. Like I've grown up, I've lived with it. So you wouldn't know the change. I know the change. My parents know the change. Um, my wife knows the change where I can just sit and be boring. And she's like, okay, this sucks. Let's turn on some music. Let's do some dancing. Let's get in a tickle fight. 
Okay. All right. That's enough. Um, but, but I have the, I have a different spirit in me and there's nothing that I did except come to God and ask him to graft me onto the branch so that I can get a new life, that I can get new nutrients, that I can get a new life source. And so maybe some of you have looked at the spiritual wounding and have been devastated going, this is my life. What is the hope? Well, this is, this is what we're going to talk about is this is the hope. There is a hope that nothing on the outside needs to change. It's all going to change inside. So we looked at the timid spirit, and that was the primary reason for, for damage is usually trauma at a very early age. Um, you know, before the spirit was truly formed and strong, you know, kind of before the age of five, there's a lot of trauma imprisoned spirit. Uh, the reason for that would usually be the atmosphere in which a person has been raised, kind of oppression, deprivation, bondage, domination, kind of stuff like that. We had the crushed spirit, usually too heavy of burden at a time when the spirit was not prepared for that. Uh, orphan spirit uh, usually comes from the lack of bonding, um, at, at birth and conception, um, a defiled spirit usually happens because of uh, walking through pollution, either their own or generational. And then the broken spirit, usually because of one sorrow after another. And so these are devastating realizations. And, and you know, maybe it's the spirit of God, the spirit of light illuminating stuff. And, and you can really see the hopelessness of your situation because there's nothing that you can do to this. You know, as, as a child and the wounds and the heaviness and the burden of all of these things, what do you, what's the possibility? Like go to a psychotherapist and work for the next 40 years about this stuff. Like those are good things to implement, but that's not recovery. That's not going to get you recovered. Because I actually need to transition my spirit into the spirit of God. And, and he's going to connect and bond like, 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 like the spirit of alcohol I've bonded to and it gave me a life. Uh, it didn't fix my broken spirit, but it made it manageable. So now I'm going to connect to the, to the spirit of God and he's going to breathe this new life into me. And, and that's all I have to do is accept that. And, and just being able to be able to, 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 to totally be transformed and not hold on or reserve anything from my past. And, and so many times in my thinking, God doesn't know the best. God doesn't know what I like. It's like, I have this resume and I need to show it to God. And for me, because I'm an awesome manipulator, I felt like in my early recovery, I needed God to know who I was. I needed to be known not by you now, but by God, because you defined what I did. Now I need God to know me really well. These are my passions. These are my likes. Here's my resume. I've done all of these things. I'm pretty, I'm pretty great at certain things and, 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 and really crappy at other things. So I believe that the course of our lives together should go this way. And next thing you know, to stay sober, I started working at a care home with mentally ill guys. And I'm like, you're the, I'm the last person you should hire to work with guys with mental illness. Like, I'm like sitting there, like they're tripping me out. I'm tripping them out. It's I, I'm super excitable. And, and, and I'm like, I'm not really like a good measure of, 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 of moderation. Like I'm not like, I'm not a babysitter. 
like I just want to go full out all the time. So like, I would be like, okay, tonight is we're going to Dairy Queen, and they're like, yeah, it's Tuesday, two nights in a row. I'm like, yeah, let's go to let's hit Dairy Queen. The guys have expendable income, and they 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 were buying like two extra large milkshakes. I don't know if you've seen a milkshake at, at Dairy Queen, but like the large milkshake is should be illegal. Like it's literally this big. So they're coming out with like milkshakes, big cone, and I'm like, guys, like you're you're taking advantage of a good situation here. I'm like, I don't wanna I don't wanna crack the ham. Like I we're all in this together. We all count. Like I love you guys, but like I don't think this is the best idea anymore. Like, you know, you eat this stuff. One guy puked, and I'm like. I gotta write this in the log. Like, you guys are abusing the privileges that I'm... Like, you're abusing me, guys. You're taking advantage of me. And I'm like, I have to put in some... I have to put in some measures. No one can order... You can only order one thing, and it has to be medium or under. And I'm like, man, I feel... I feel like... I feel like a tyrant. I feel like... Man, I'm controlling everything. <laughs> and, and it was like, this job... I, I... I had never thought that I could do a job with people. Like, and probably I shouldn't have, but it helped me grow because now that I'm connected to the vine, I have a different compassion for people. I remember there's one guy, he's a mentally ill guy in the house. He, he's got paranoid schizophrenia and his, his, his whole life, he had been hearing voices and messages and, 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 and words of, of, of killing himself and just being tormented in his head. Like, I can't even imagine that. Uh, what he's gone through and he takes these medications and he's got sleep apnea and he's like 420 pounds at the time and I remember my first week these guys latch on very easily to you and I remember him like I'm doing the night shift and I remember him asking me like can you tuck me in and I'm like in my head like I like I have kids so I know what tucking them in means and I'm like oh Okay, like you want me to tuck you into bed. Um, okay, this is pushing my boundaries at all levels. And so I go into his room and he's laying down and he's, you know, just got his boxers on. And I'm like, man, this is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever been involved in. Uh, sober. And so I put his mask on. I fill up his water and, and I put him to bed. And then he's like Darth Vader now because he's got the breathing apparatus. And he's like, pray for me. And I'm like, of course, that's part of tucking people in is you got to pray for them. And so I pray for him and I tuck him in and I turn off his light and I left the room. My armpits were like full of sweat and I felt almost like not. Yeah, I would say I felt high inside. I felt like. This is the first time I've ever had purpose and meaning. And why am I crying now? Why? Like, what? What am I feeling? This is, this is weird. I'm glad no one can see me. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever done. And why am I feeling like this? Why are what eyes swelling? And I'm like, God is giving me a new purpose and meaning. And I'm actually getting something out of it. And it has nothing to do with you. And, and I'm not being guided by having to drive heavy equipment and make a certain amount of money. I was making minimum wage, seven bucks an hour, you know, coming from the elevator union at the time. And, and, and what's happening inside of me as I tuck a large man with sleep apnea into bed and I pray for him, 
I leave the room and there's such a joy inside of me that alcohol has never produced. It, it's always been a fake. And so I've had these interactions that build my spirit because that's the spirit of God coming into me. That's the spirit of God filling me. And, and it's nothing that I want to do. Like these aren't things that I'm planning on doing. Like this isn't my plan. And so for the last 14 years, my life has been guided by a different force and not what you think of me. And, and, and maybe I'm still not choosing, but God is choosing for me because I just want to be the passenger in this trip. And it's a trip. Guys, I grew up with my dad as a pastor of a church. There's a story that I think uh, we have time to read. Um, and it's called The Minister's Son. And I relate to that going like I grew up around God, but never knew God. I was never connected to God. I, I, I grew up in this 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 home that was so centered to God. And my dad was a pastor and I hated it because it was a source of contempt and 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 weakness. It was weakness. That's what it was. And I saw my dad as weak. You're not a real man because you're you're a man of the cloth. You get abused by people. People like what's the point of what you do and that you do it for no money and you you've shipped us all around the world like we we grew up in Asia and and I I had these resentments that this isn't what a real man should do. And and you know 10 years into my journey of recovery all of a sudden we're planting a church and I I I I I'm getting ordained. And I'm like, "Huh, this is something that I never planned. Like, I didn't go like, okay, I'm going to get sober. I want to work with mentally ill guys and addicts for the rest of my life. And I'm going to know Jesus and plant a church and become an ordained minister. Like, that is so opposite of what my life I thought would be as I tried to manipulate God by showing him my resume. And he's created a whole new resume for me out of me being grafted to his spirit. So his spirit is flowing into me, giving me life, changing my thinking, changing my desires of what I think that is going to make me happy and completely me because all of that is based on what you think. And my thinking is so warped and skewed. He's actually like sap coming in, like, like, like maple syrup coming in and changing my taste buds. To go like, I was eating this stuff before and now I'm tasting God inside of me. And and I make seven bucks an hour and I work overnight at a care home for mentally ill guys. And it's like, how, what happened to me? Like, how is this possible? But the joy of God has been inside of me where there was no joy. There was proving. There was striving. All of those things. Um... Quickly, I want to just read in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 56. It's it's the minister's son, and this is a beautiful story where you get to you get to see this this guy that grew up in the church, and he he became an atheist. He didn't really believe in God, and um, you know he was he was in the hospital and he was in 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 alcoholism and. Uh, he just like alcohol took everything away from him and he, he, he's confined in a hospital. And I don't know if you've been confined in a jail. Maybe you have, 
Uh, but it's different to be confined in a hospital because what they have said to you is that you're a menace to society and you're a threat to yourself or someone else. And usually it's the people around you. And we're going to keep you in the sanitarium. My grandfather was a, a decorated war vet of the World War II and he did five years in a sanitarium. There, that's a hopeless situation, guys. You can't get out. One night, when confined in a hospital, he was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. Our friend, friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, If there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. But later, alone in his room, he asked himself the question, Is it possible that all the religious people I have known are wrong? While pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Then, like a thunderbolt. A great thought came to him and crowded out everything else. Who are you to say that there is no God? The man recounts that he tumbled out of his bed onto his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over him and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great title at flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He stepped from the bridge to shore for the first time. He lived in the conscious companionship with his creator. Thus, our friend's cornerstone was fixed in place. And that's what this cornerstone is, is where I build the house upon the rock of the cornerstone that God exists and he wants a relationship with me and I can be grafted in. And that's, that's a step two thing. Um, you know, that's the beginning of going into the action part. You know, like, yes, we have to make a decision, but we can't get power. We can't stand and get power upon a decision. We actually have to go through the rest of the process and we'll actually get the power in step seven. Um, but this is that idea of taking my life from the uncertainty of being on the bridge of a boat um, and then coming into shore for a new life. And so I'm actually, God's going to actually take away my alcoholic insanity um, on the shore. And so I think it's great to share our stories like this, to, to give people encouragement that there is a, a better way, that there is a God. Most of us are very skeptical, but there's a God that wants to heal and bandage and, and, and not fix your life, but to transform your life. He's not just going to, 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 to mend your little spirit. He's actually going to give you a new spirit. Just like if you, if you graft a plant on, it becomes something else. So you're actually going to become a different person. And my prayer for everybody is that they can accept the change that's going to come. That's going to come like a, a, a flood inside of you. That when you tuck a 450 pound uh, man into bed, that it does something to you that never before you would ever feel. Um, and, and, and that's the love of God coming in and, and, and causing a person to be compassionate to another person for, for very little monetary money. Uh, only God can do that. So that is the hope that only God can do for you what you can't do for yourself. Only God can, can give you rest. Only God can cause uh, you to be still. Only God can give you peace and joy and comfort and all of those things that we've, we've sought out all of our lives because of our wounding. And so that's the hope today. 
is that I can do a process of recovery and, and I can be released from the bondage of self and, and be grafted onto God. Um, and, and so that is the hope of recovery that nothing on the outside needs to change. The inside's going to change.